Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ned Bellavance, Ned1313 on Twitter, and welcome to the Daily Check-In for September 30th, 2021. Happy end of September. It's basically over. If you're listening to this, well, there's there's a non-zero chance that you're listening to it in October. So happy October to you. October is one of my favorite months, uh, in no small part because my birthday is in October, and also, you know, Halloween's pretty okay. I mean, it's all right. And sometimes I think I enjoyed it a lot more when I was younger, not just when I was a kid, but even in my early 20s. And then once I got married and we had kids, less exciting, but now the kids are getting a little bit older, so they're really into it. So it's exciting, you know, through them. <laughs> Still not that exciting for me. A couple more years and I think Halloween will will bump back up to some of my one of my favorite holidays. So uh, let's check in. How are you? You got any big plans for Halloween? Got your costume picked out yet? There's a really good podcast I like to listen to called Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. It's run by Alex Schmidt, who used to be uh, the runner of the Cracked.com podcast. Uh, he got laid off and then started his own podcast, and it's quite excellent. And their topic for this past week was uh, Spirit of Halloween stores and what those are and how they came to rise and what it means for the future of the holiday and a bunch of other stuff. So if that's of interest to you, definitely give that a chance. Give Check it out. It's called Secretly, Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So you should be able to find that very easily. Anyway, uh, the thing I wanted to talk about today was a continuation of yesterday's episode. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, probably go back and listen to that one first because I sort of was doing a live reading of the HashiCorp State of the Cloud report. And I finished reading it off mic yesterday and been processing it a little bit. And so I thought today I would complete my thoughts on the report and we're going to start first with the methodology. What's interesting about this report is the way they have it set up right now. I'm sure you can download it as a PDF, but the way they have it set up now, it's a web page and it's basically like 17 slides. The very last slide is the one that deals with methodology. And in my mind, that should be maybe the second slide. Like you're going to have your big bombastic slide. First or second one's going to be all about the, the key takeaways, the the big picture stuff. And then personally, I would like to see the methodology before you get into the results. And the reason for that is the methodology and the response group from your survey heavily impacts how I should interpret your findings. If you only had 10 respondents, then your survey doesn't really have any statistical meaning. If you had 300,000 respondents, that gives it some serious weight. So where, how, what was their survey methodology and how many respondents did they have and what was sort of the makeup of those respondents? Okay, so let's start with that. They sent this out to 300,000 plus people that are in their opt-in email. And of those 300,000, 3,200 people actually filled out the survey, and not all of them answered all of the 34 questions in the survey. I guess some people just chose to answer some of it. So that's the first thing to understand is our sample size right now is 3,200 people. And also understand that these are self-selected in the sense that at some point they signed up for something in HashiCorp that allowed HashiCorp to send them emails. So they signed up for the newsletter or they registered for one of the HashiCorp events or something along those lines. 
caused their email to go into a system where they were opted in for this type of thing. So that's, I won't say it's completely self-selecting, but it's somewhat self-selecting as an audience. You know that they're already interested or engaged with HashiCorp products. Okay, so that that's the first thing to bear in mind. The sec second thing to bear in mind is the industry breakdown, the people that responded to that. 51% of those who responded to it are in the software or services industry, which means we're dealing mostly with companies that are in the realm of software development, or that is their primary focus. The next one after that is financial services and then public sector. And then it goes down from there. Financial services is only 15%. So that shows you the gap between the top industry and the rest of them. Okay. So that's just to kind of give you an idea of what the survey audience looks like. They're self-selected, they're already interested in HashiCorp, and they're mostly working in the world of software development or services. And when we think about services, we're probably talking about some sort of software as a service type thing. Okay, so we have that. Then we have the job role. What, what, what kinds of roles are they in? And what's interesting here is 58% of the respondents are practitioners. That means they're probably individual contributors who are working with this stuff every day. That means they actually kind of have an idea of how things work as applied, but they might not be thinking at a higher, more strategic level. So when you're looking at questions that deal with stuff that they touch every day and have a lot of awareness of, then these survey results are probably more accurate. When you're looking at things that they might not have as much access to, like budget and cost, that might be slightly less accurate. In terms of location, it's heavily weighted towards North America and Europe, with only 6% from Latin America and 20% from APAC. And from company size, that's actually pretty evenly split between less than 100, 101 to 5,000, or 5,000. Fairly even split there. Okay, so now we have a good idea of who these respondents are. So apply everything I said to the previous <laughs> episode Bear that in mind and also bear it in mind as we look at some of the additional findings from this report. All right, another finding from this report. Apart from public cloud vendors, so we're not worried about the actual vendors, what other vendors or technologies are most strategic to your company? Now, because this is a survey sent out by HashiCorp to people who have honed in on HashiCorp as someone to send them emails, 73% of respondents picked HashiCorp as one of their strategic vendors or technologies. I think we can kind of disregard that because it is self-selected, but it does serve as a useful benchmark. And the report even says this. This serves as a benchmark for other responses in here. Okay, so the next one up is Kubernetes. Again, not surprising. If you were going to pick out two technologies or one technology besides public cloud, that's super important for people right now. Kubernetes. No shock there. Okay. Now, the next two are GitHub and GitLab. So that's interesting. The next two are source control, or I mean, you could call them source control, and they obviously do a lot more than that. GitHub and GitLab both have CI tools, CD tools, there's GitHub Actions, there's GitLab, whatever they call their product. So they've moved beyond just storing your code somewhere, but obviously those two are instrumental. So we've got HashiCorp, which is all about infrastructure as code and other things as code type tools. We have Kubernetes as a popular platform, and then we have somewhere to store our code for running all of this stuff. Okay, the next one is, the next two are really interesting to me, and the, the next one is VMware. 
And I, I thought that was surprising to me because it's not a technology that I would think of as strategic. It's just there. You have VMware. Of course you do, right? The fact that it was listed out and it was 28% of respondents said VMware was a strategic vendor or technology. Okay, that means VMware, I mean, I know VMware pulls in a lot of money, but they are by no means out of the running when it comes to an important technology. And I may not have played as close attention to VMware as I should have in the last few years. So maybe it's time to figure out what this whole Tanzu thing is <laughs> that they've been doing. And the next one is Red Hat. Red Hat at 25%. Again, probably not super surprising. OpenShift has been very successful, but it just shows that when you get beyond the public clouds, if you're looking for a platform for your stuff to run on, VMware and Red Hat are kind of where it's at right now. And the rest of them are a bunch of other traditional vendors. The percentages drop off pretty quickly after that. ServiceNow and Splunk are super important. And then Cisco, Datadog, MongoDB, uh, but even NetApp and Snowflake show up in this. So I thought that was interesting that those are all con considered strategic. Uh, what else is in here that was of particular interest to me? Okay. Uh, one of the ones that I thought was kind of weird was when they got into cloud costs and budgeting and managing cloud spend. So they had this question of, did your organization 2020 projected cloud spend align with your actual cloud spend. 12% said they underspent, 49% said within budget, and 39% said overspent. But that's a really, really weird metric because what does it mean to overspend on the cloud? Does that mean you spent more than you initially thought you would, but your the money that you got out of that investment was commensurately high? Let's say that I have a basic cloud deployment and I'm expecting to spend $1,000 a month on it, just for rough numbers. And my expectation is the revenue I pull in from the infrastructure I'm running is gonna be 5,000 a month. So I'm making $4,000 off of my $1,000 cloud spend. These are real simple numbers and obviously there's more to it than that. If I end up spending $2,000 on my cloud in the next month, that means I overspent by 100%. However, if my revenue jumps to 15,000 instead of 5,000, not only am I making more than I was before, but I'm actually making more based off of a smaller increase in my cloud spend. My cloud spend doubled, but my revenue tripled. So you could say I overspent on cloud, but in reality, my revenue is so much higher that I, you could say almost that I underspent on cloud, that I did something very economical with my cloud deployment. So that's why these numbers are super tricky. And I think this has been called out before, but this is just a weird metric to have in here because it doesn't really define what any of these things mean and whether they were a net positive or negative for the company. Controlling your costs obviously is important, but even more important is that what you're spending is driving revenue. As long as your profit margin, as long as your margins look good and possibly even get better as you expand, then your cloud spend is less of a concern. So, I mean, that's that was another that was one of the things that really jumped out at me, uh, out to me about this one portion of the report, managing cloud spend is 
What you really want to do is have predictable spend. It doesn't matter how much you're spending because it's all in comparison to your margins. It's more about being having it be more predictable and being able to control your spend than it is about worrying what that actual number is. So it's, it's a weird metric. It's hard to say what it actually means. I'd like to see better studies specifically around cloud costs, and I think they're out there. If I was HashiCorp, I would have skipped this question entirely because they don't have enough information to draw out conclusions. And also, the people who are taking this survey, the majority of them probably don't have great access to see the final revenue and margin numbers to align with the cloud spend. <laughs> So um, that's going to do it for me today. Again, I ran a little bit long because this report is fascinating. Uh, hopefully it's of interest to you as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts if you've read through the report. What jumped out at you? What trends do you find interesting? What did you find a little weird or erroneous in the report? Uh, jump out at me, Ned1313 on Twitter or find me on LinkedIn. That's going to do it for me for today. Thank you so much for listening as always. Until next time, stay healthy, stay safe out there. Bye for now.